You're listening to the Between You and Me podcast, brought to you by JesusWire.com, with your host, Jessica Morris. Hello, friends. Welcome to the last episode of Between You and Me for season two. Yes, we actually made it. We did another 10 episodes and we have had an incredible season thanks to some amazing artists who have been really open and honest. My name is Jessica Morris and this is the podcast between you and me where we talk to musicians and creatives about the things that hurt, heal and change us in the Christian music industry. Sometimes we deviate from that and we step outside the Christian music industry. We talk to artists who have perhaps been in it or who have a faith who are outside of it. Today we are going right back in like we have a lot of this season when we're actually diving into the genre of worship music. Yes, I know you're thinking, oh, more worship. Yes, it's everywhere. Every single church is doing it. Every single church is making albums. Some are good, some are not that great. Why are we listening to a new worship band, Jessica? Well, I think it's worth it because the band that we're talking to today, Binley, and the lead singer, Andrea Binley, has a really interesting story. Not only does she come from Southern California, which is not an area that we normally hear. Actually, that's not true. We do have Mosaic Church there and probably 10 other churches. So recount that. But in any case, I love the fact that Binley has a different sound to worship. Think a little bit EDM, a little bit Southern California, a little bit pop, and a little bit synth-based. It's not quite Young and Free. It's not Hillsong. It's not Versus, who we had earlier. It's a different sound, and it was created purely because Binley saw a need in the local churches where she lives and decided to fill it. Now, if that's not the best reason to create worship music, then I don't know what is. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear from Andrea today. When I was approached with the idea of interviewing Andrea for this episode, I was told a few things about her. One, that she did worship music. Again, same, you sort of expect that, but two, that she actually struggled with chronic illness for quite a while. And when I talked to her, she was brave enough to open up and share that with me. Now, someone who's talked a lot about mental health and mental illness on the podcast, chronic illness is not something we have talked about. It's not something we've even dived into. And I was so excited to get a strong female worship leader open to talking about it. And Andrea just delivered in the best possible way because she was so authentic. So guys, here is Binley for you. A reminder to our new friends and our old, you will get a short bio beforehand. Here's your introduction to Binley. If we were sitting down for coffee, this is literally the part where I would be like, hey, Binley, meet so-and-so. My friend, meet Binley. This is the part of the conversation where you're like, oh, this is the context and who they are. Wikipedia, but better because it's personal, okay? And from there, we will go straight into our episode with Binley. You will hear some of their music and you'll hear about what they're doing in the future. The best bit is the part where we dive into writing worship music that isn't all just about declaration of God's healing, but it's actually about finding God in the pain. I really resonated with that, and I think you guys might too. So enjoy. Andrea Hamilton Binley has come a long way from her days as a Kansas teenager writing songs in her bedroom. Now known as the face of pop worship band Binley, she entered the professional music scene at just 16 when her songwriting won her best new song at the Gospel Music Awards. Releasing her debut Stronger Than I Seem in 2006, she toured across Asia the same year and booked her own tour of the US West Coast. Her album Live at Safe Haven and the Only Love EP followed, all before she was 18. It was then that she moved to Los Angeles to complete her BA in music at Azusa University. Rather than halting her progress in the industry, this only accelerated it. And over the coming years, Andrea would go on to release 2008's Deciding What to Keep, 2012's Green and Blue, and Let Your Heart Be Light in 2013. Continuing to tour internationally, she would co-write with everyone from Ashley Argotta, Tyrone Wells and Matt Arsani, who has worked with Disciple, Cutlass and I Am Empire. She gained more than 30 TV and movie placements, most notably the theme song of TLC's My Giant Life, as well as placement in the season finale of Bringing Up Bates and even Temptation Island. 
Music has always been about hope and philanthropy for Andrea, and she used her touring to promote causes such as the AIDS Foundation Pasadena and Project AK-47. In 2013, Andrea was on track to become one of LA's most accomplished songwriters, but everything changed during a tour overseas when her health gave way. Moving back to Kansas, she looked for answers and spent the following years battling numerous or chronic autoimmune diseases. Music became less public and was intrinsically personal as she wrestled with her faith, career and relationships during a season of undiagnosed illness. After marrying and taking on her married name of Andrea Binley, a refined identity came with Andrea's tried and tested faith. Releasing the singles Better Together and All Over Again in 2016, she returned the next year with her seventh studio album Hope and Struggle, all under her name Andrea Hamilton. The album infused her indie pop tones with gospel as she unpacked her own struggles. Around this time, she also returned to Southern California and saw the need for relatable and diverse worship in churches where she led worship in the region. This was when she created the pop worship band Binley, and her mission to reach people with hopeful pop music took on an additional component, where she worked with other musicians to create fresh and honest sound in music and lyrics that we have not seen before in the Christian music industry. Andrea dropped Binley's single, No Other, in 2017 and continued to release her solo music just this year, releasing the EP All But Lost. Never doing anything by halves, Andrea Hamilton Binley is making this year even bigger. She's decided to also pursue Binley and has dropped the single Build My Life and only last week the single Never Gonna Let You Go featuring Brandon Gill and has appeared on Spotify's New Music Friday Christian playlist. Binley is the new sound in worship that you never knew you needed and Andrea Hamilton Binley is amazing. Guys, this is an incredibly honest, inspiring, and powerful conversation. Enjoy meeting Andrea Hamilton Binley. For starters, do you prefer Andrea or Dre? Or Dre? How do you say it? So most people call me Andrea. Um, but when I... Like a lot of the things that my band does is worship for youth events and young adults. And so I introduce myself as Dre because I feel like it's easier for people to remember. And then at my home church, everyone calls me Dre. So I guess I call myself Andrea is the short answer. <laughs> but I get it. And I also completely appreciate it. Since we're friends now, can I call you Andrea? Is that okay? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> for people who have never heard of Binley before, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how this project started for you? Well, Binley is kind of a side project, I guess, technically, although it's been kind of taking off since I started it and I would love for it to be my main thing at some point. But I wanted to create a worship band because i have been making solo pop music for years and lately I've been asked to do a lot more worship and I love leading worship and then I'm really plugged into my home church in Southern California. So I started feeling like there was a need. I started seeing a need for upbeat, fresh sounding, you know, pop crossover kind of worship where you could relate to it and connect with it on a musical level, even if it, you weren't super familiar with the worship genre. And for me personally, I I love worship music, but I don't listen to a ton of slow songs. I wanted to create a band that was energetic because I feel like, you know, when I create worship sets, I'm always looking for like cool songs that aren't cheesy, but that are upbeat. So I started thinking through what it would look like to record some of those songs the way I would love to hear them. And my longtime friend, Brandon, um, started doing like student worship with me and these young adult gigs here and there. So we ended up starting to co-lead and and then we started writing. So it kind of just started happening from the need in the local church. I love that. So you're a worship pastor, right? At your local church? I am. I'm a Yeah, I'm a part-time worship leader at Inland Hills Church in Chino, which is like east of LA. How did you end up getting there and getting to the point where you were sort of leading worship and saw this need in so many local churches? Man, yeah, it's so funny because growing up, I always knew that I loved music, but I swore I would never be a worship 
leader. <laughs> and it was more out of honor for the position than like disdain for it. You know, it was more like that's a calling. And I always knew that and saw that. And so I didn't want to be someone who had a passion for um, pop and then just fell back on, you know, church music. Like I didn't want to do that. I didn't feel genuine to me. So I always avoided it. And people would tell me that they thought I was called. But it wasn't until um, in, man, 10 years ago now, I I got sick. I got really sick for two years and I lost the ability to really sing very well. And I just spent so much time in prayer in that season, not knowing what the future looked like, that part of what I did was kind of repent of that I will never attitude <laughs> and just told the Lord, like, whatever you want for my future, you know, I surrender to you completely. And I, if you want me to sing worship, if you want me to not sing again, whatever you want, I will, I'll do that. And then as soon as I started getting better, all these doors opened up for me to start singing. It was almost like out of nowhere, I was getting asked to lead worship um, it, way more than ever before. And I felt peace about it. I felt like that was a calling. And now I would be able to step into it with an integrity and a genuine heart. That's incredible. I love that. Um, and I can appreciate that was a very long journey too. <laughs> it's funny because now I talk to so many worship leaders who say oh yeah no I swore I would never be a worship leader that's like who God calls <laughs> I'm like oh I didn't know that <laughs> yes so true so something you guys are really intentional about in Binley is you're you're feeling a need for starters um, but your worship music is more upbeat it sort of has some synth tones in it and pop and I was listening to it and it's great because you don't hear anything else like that on the market why is it so important to have a diverse sound in worship and why is there such a need for Binley oh wow well thank you first of all for saying that that's awesome I'm glad you like it my heart behind it is honestly to connect with people who don't yet connect with mainstream worship and maybe that's because they didn't grow up in church and maybe they barely are exploring just starting to explore um, their faith um, or listening to Christian music at all like I always am thinking about people who are less plugged in and it seems like a good bridge to take a musical style that's more accessible to, you know, the average listener and make it a bridge, you know, into, wow, okay, these lyrics are different and they're about Jesus and yet it has like a fun groove behind it and I can listen to it while I'm working out. <laughs> That's awesome. So how do you choose to, to collaborate with on each track? Is it something that organically happens or do you sort of set out to create a track for different singers or different churches in the area that have a need? Well, man, you know, my band is two years old and we're kind of still in startup mode. So part of it is thinking about who it makes sense to collaborate with, who um, it's really important to me, like, who do I trust as genuine? Like their voice may be great, but if I don't know that their heart for worship is like there, then I don't know. I'm not comfortable. Like this needs to be someone who means what they're saying, you know? So I usually go with people I know and have led with and that also have an amazing voice. And I'm so excited because our next song is going to be a duet with me and this guy, Trevor Davis. And Trevor's this amazing singer, but also amazing heart for God and um, sings a lot of worship and pop. So he's like, a good fit for the style and everything. So that'll be a cool next collaboration. Nice. I love that it makes it so different and that it's female-led and then you're like, let me bring in people around me and see what we can create. It just makes me really happy. It's like, we need that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't want it to be just my voice. I feel like worship is such a good... I mean, the whole philosophy of worship is joining in. So when you have those two voices together or those vocals popping in and out, it just makes a lot more sense to me. And I love that you can see that across the worship genre as a whole. More collaborations, more blending of styles and, you know, different church traditions coming together to create music like in the past few years more than ever. So it's a really exciting time. Across the world, your name is spoken. It is the hurting and the broken Your mighty voice nobody can deny You are the Lord, your name unrivaled We turn to you, 
quickly hone in on never gonna let you go first of all I've known Brandon forever he went to college at the same school as me so we met when we were 18 and then um actually I didn't even meet him yet I heard him leading worship in this random like classroom one night when I walked by in our college music building and I remember just like stopping and listening and thinking, wow, this person is so young and they already know how to play so well and sing so well and have such a genuine heart for worshiping God together, you know, in community. And that has not changed about him. So ever since I've known him, he's been a a worship leader that I look up to and trust. Um, So every chance I got, I was like inviting him to co-lead with me. And when I started working at my home church that I'm at now, um, we brought him as, as a guest and then that connected us and our families like even more. So he's a close friend. And of course, as you could hear, he has an amazing voice. Um, so getting to write a song that would feature his voice was like, uh, oh my gosh, I was so thrilled to make that opportunity for him. Reading through the lyrics of it and something that really struck me was the fact that you weren't you could have done this rightfully. You weren't claiming healing. You weren't like, you weren't doing a very evangelical thing with the song. What you were doing was saying, God, where are you in my pain? I trust you. Please give me peace. And please correct me if I'm wrong, if my interpretation was wrong. But I actually, I love that because you don't find it in worship very often. Yeah. And it's something that immediately everyone can relate to. (laughs) Can you tell me a little bit about the song? and how it was written and what it means to you? That was definitely part of our conversation. And I love your interpretation of it. That's super insightful. You know, when you read the Bible, there's so many um, examples of walking with that tension of the the not yet, um, knowing where we're going, knowing that the victory is won, yet sometimes this life can feel like a long wait to see some of that manifest so uh we in conversation before we wrote this that was it was like a deep kind of very real conversation with brandon and the other writer teddy obat because all of us in our lives have had certain things that just feel like a big question mark for years and years and you see that in the bible like god i'm clinging to you even though things aren't going the way that i think would make sense and you know there's prayers that haven't been answered yet it seems like and that's what faithfulness is that's what real disciple of disciple of jesus is it's following him even through tough seasons he says that some seed falls on good soil some seed falls on rocky you know shallow soil and they 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 spurt up at the beginning but then when hard stuff starts to happen they they're swept away because they have no root like this song hopefully is like speaking to that place of loyalty to God where we can declare that we're going to stick with him even in those times where we're getting kind of thrown around by life and it's not easy through many trials our souls are searching for some kind of purpose in the pain but when we call your spirit speaks to us you grant a peace we can't explain Never gonna let you go 
this is so awkward to ask, even though I know you're an open book, but I was in the press, it was talking about you having chronic illness and I would never, ever want to talk about it or treat it like it was a commodity or let's talk that about that as just like a point. So please don't think I'm trying to make light of it. But can you tell me a little bit about when you were diagnosed and initially when you were going through that, how that challenged your relationship with God? Yeah. Yeah. It's been a big theme in conversation with God. And overall, I would say going through a challenge like chronic illness has been an opportunity to grow closer to him and to have like a deeper faith, you know, deeper roots. Like I grew up sort of sickly. (laughs) I would always catch stuff and get, you know, pneumonia and all this. And even, I mean, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice right now, but like, I just, fight colds and stuff a lot more than people should. So I don't know how it all started or why that began even in my youth. But when I got into my early 20s, I started getting some more severe symptoms. Um, And my guts kind of stopped working. My immune system was doing weird things to like my blood sugar and my eyesight and it just got to where, I mean, at the time I was traveling internationally, like singing pop and it got to where I couldn't do it anymore. I mean, I was pushing through pretty hard for a while, but I hit my limit. And in the end of 2009, I went home, like I moved back in with my parents um, and it just like quit because I was sick. So it was this kind of big disappointment where it felt like God was giving me my dream. And then it felt like something came in and like stopped it. So it was a season of surrender and it was a season of choosing not to be afraid. There was a lot of spiritual warfare um, and I had to kind of learn, you know, trial by fire, like how spiritual warfare works and also how it looks to endure in your faith through a really scary season. So that was about a year and a half before I got any diagnoses. And then I ended up with this kind of list of autoimmune related diseases. And like, basically, they think I had an infection, a bacterial infection that went systemic in my body. So by the time I got officially diagnosed, I just was already getting better. (laughs) So the diagnosis was kind of (laughs) anticlimactic, but it just took a while. So yeah, I, I moved back to LA towards the end of 2010, I think, if I'm remembering this right, but I was still severely um, limited. I kind of moved back in faith, like, okay, I'm starting to get better. I'm going to go do what I can, try to songwrite a little bit again. And then, like I mentioned earlier, all these worship opportunities came up and it almost felt like I'm somehow in the season that doesn't make any sense at all. God is going to use me to like serve the church in a greater way than before. Like my voice wasn't even back a hundred percent, but it was not about, you know, performance. It was about, here's what I've learned in the secret place with God. And let me share that with my brothers and sisters and let's worship him no matter what's going on in our lives. And that resonated with people because I'm not the only one who has to deal with a long-term frustration, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. I had no idea as well that you had separate career before all this happened in LA. That's yeah. <laughs> amazing. And you must have had to give so much when when you got sick. I can't imagine yeah. how difficult that would have been. Yeah, it was like the first three or four months, everyone was kind of cheering me on and checking in and um, still asking me to do gigs. And then when it got long, <laughs> like it hit the five, six month mark, things changed because people don't have a reference for that. Like, wow, you're still sick. Like they kind of, some of my friends didn't quite know how to interact with that. And some people backed away, other people stepped in and you kind of see who your friends are supposed to be in that season, you know? And even on the career front, it was like, okay, a lot of people are kind of moving on now um, because I'm still here at my parents' house, (laughs) chilling. So it did feel like a little bit of a rebuild. As my body was rebuilding, I had to kind of rebuild what my career looked like as well. But God opened some different doors and I was planning. And I mean, they've been so meaningful. I never would have started this worship band for one. So that's just 
it, it, you know, that's significant to me. And it just feels like your life isn't, you know, probably going to look exactly how you planned it. But um, the most, if, if you're a Christian and you're saying the most important thing to you is your relationship with God and being close to Jesus, and you know that He works all things, meaning He uses the hard things in life to bring us closer to Him, and He's close to the broken in a special way, then you really can't lose. Because if you get, you know, if your plan gets derailed, He is still there, and He's actually there in a really intimate way. Like I had a lot of visions during this time and a lot of God dreams and a lot of interaction with the Holy Spirit because, I mean, I was pretty tuned in. He was all I had. I couldn't, you know, do my normal job. So I just learned to be, you know, and to be with Jesus. Back when my wishes were working out, you could have asked me what life's about. I'd have answered with some trifle. Thank you for sharing that. I, I haven't gone through autoimmune stuff, um, but I went through a lot of mental health stuff as a teenager. So in, mm. in some small capacity, I I get that the part like where you're just stuck and you're sort of like, yeah. what next? Oh, yeah. And where are you, God? And you just like, you just re- learn to rely so heavily on the fact that he's just yeah. there with you. And yeah, that's what you have. Yeah, he's present in the pain. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think, I mean, to me, it's like, I feel when people have gone through it like you, it's, you can kind of tell, you can feel this maturity, a spiritual maturity in this area of perseverance, trust, surrender, and that life isn't so black and white. Life isn't going to go the way it's, you know, supposed to on your planner. (laughs) We're not in control, you know? So it's just good stuff to learn if you want to be in ministry because- it helps you help others, you know, to have gone through something. Worship now is obviously something you love, but it's obviously a decision you make. Why is it so important? And you can answer this theologically, personally, whatever you like. Why is it so important for you to worship even when you don't feel like it? Mm, Oh, I love that question. That's cool. I mean, part of it is that it keeps us, um, I don't want to say safe, but in a way safe, like spiritually safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it keeps us where we're supposed to be. We're created to worship. So when we're engaging with the Holy Spirit and we're, you know, praising God, thanking God, focusing on and adoring Him, there's a sense of rightness that we're doing what we were created to do. It feels, it feels, I guess, right. It feels like you're clicking into your purpose and your destiny. And when we let something stop us from that, like chronic illness or life's discouragements and, you know, of any kind, I mean, it's so easy to let it distract or stop us from worshiping. But when you get moved over to the side like that, you're not operating in how you were created. And so in your spirit, there's a disconnect. There's like, the part of you that is still connected with God. And then there's the part of you that is not engaging in that right now. And so you can't fully thrive, you know, unless you're, you're in interaction with your creator, the way he designed. So worship for me is a posture. It's like, I'm standing here 
in, you know, the rain that's coming down on me. If I go hide from it, I am out of, I'm, I'm just stepping out of the, the shower, the blessings, I guess. So that's, I, I don't know. That's what it feels like for me. I know there's probably a more theological answer. The reason we worship isn't whether we feel like it or not. It's that God is deserving, right? He's holy and he's worthy. So even being able to make that special sacrifice of here's a, a praise um, that I'm putting on the altar in a moment where I don't feel like it. Like we're not going to get to do that later when we're in heaven. That's like a special sacrifice that we can make for him now. And he sees that and he receives that sacrifice with such a big heart for us, you know. In evangelical culture, we hear all the time, like worship, praise until you have your breakthrough. And at least for me, I don't find that we talk about why we do that. So I really appreciate the fact that um, for you, it's got personal and theological roots to it and that it's lived. It's like not just done because it's religious or it's the right thing to do, it's done because it's survival. And I really appreciate that. Uh, but it's something that I can learn, definitely. Mm, well, that's a good way to say it. Yeah, I I feel like there are a lot of songs and I mean, I, I sing them and I believe them too, that emphasize, you know, our, our breakthrough is coming and it's through our praise. But we don't want to get it an exchange idea where we're transactional about our praise. Like if I praise God, he'll give me what I'm desiring. The truth is the breakthrough is usually realizing you don't need the thing anymore because you have Jesus filling you up so full. Like let's say somebody goes to church and prays and fervently worships and maybe in the back of their mind, they're thinking about how you know, I know I'm going to meet the one and I'm going to find my spouse. And and that's like a motivator or a partial motivator of why they're singing and worshiping. Like, I don't necessarily think that breakthrough for them is finding the one. I think breakthrough for them would be feeling peace, feeling joy and feeling fulfilled in your current life, um, stage of life, because as you worship Jesus, he's able to fill your heart with more of his presence. That is so good. I haven't heard it like that before, but I appreciate it so much. Oh, knowing that you create music and that you create worship songs from, I don't want to say a place of pain because you've worked through that, you're not dwelling in it, but knowing that you've gone through so much personally and your worship songs do come from such a personal place, can you tell me what your creative process is actually like? Is there anything unique about it or is it just a genuine like I'm sitting down, I'm creating a melody and I'm seeing what happens? Mm, the creative process for me, because I want to co-write and write for a living, like I want to make it my daily thing, I I feel like the creative process for me is like showing up is a big part of it. Like just here we are, we've met together. Let's see what God stirs in us in our creative hearts today. Like let's lean into what we've been feeling from the Holy Spirit and what, you know, if we're writing worship like in a co-writing setting, it's kind of an openness and a conversation that leads to a lyric idea and then for me, I'm super lyric heavy, so I'm usually the one throwing out all the verbiage ideas and most of them stink. And then, you know, we pick the ones that are good. And then um, usually if I'm in a co-writing setting, the people who are, you know, better at the arranging and chord progression stuff take that and um, give it kind of a music bed and make the song come to life. So, and that's how it's been so far with Ben Lee. It's been a process where I'm so happy I get to be around people who are better at arranging and making things feel cool because I feel like my main strength is more the words.
how has your creative process changed or been challenged, especially during the period where you were quite sick and you were sort of looking for a diagnosis? Did you have to alter how you did things? Yeah, I, man, I kind of mostly stopped guitar because that just hurt. Like I had a lot of pain in my hands and feet and kind of my wrists would be really weak and stuff. So I didn't play much guitar. I kind of plunked around on the piano. And then I'd actually, if I couldn't sing that day, I'd like play it on the piano instead. So I just got all these voice memos from that season and put lyrics, you know, I'd lay in bed and type on my laptop and think of lyric ideas. So it was more of a, man, I I feel like I had to overcome more obstacles if I was trying to write back then, because I would take more breaks and I couldn't sing it out or see if it sang well or sounded good in my range or, you know, it was more just like writing from a remote, like, I think this would work type place. So it was a good challenge because now that I kind of have all my faculties back, I feel like it made me a better writer to have some um, obstacles to overcome and to be creative about how, how to still create. As, as a worship singer now in this capacity, does it change the focus of that creative process or is essentially the focus always the same thing as just that the, the product is just slightly different? Mm, that's a good question. I mean, I think that if you're a songwriter and that's how God's built you, there's this broad sense of, you know, all of your writing and creating is worship, right? Like in a general sense. But at the same time, I think if I'm writing worship on a practical level, I have a lot more filters because I feel this responsibility to not say something that's questionable or say it wrong or, you know, like there's this theological kind of obligation that I try to take seriously. I mean, I don't want to be afraid, but I want to make sure what I'm saying is going to serve the church and not create any unintended consequences. So yeah, it's almost like you tread a little more carefully. Yes, definitely. What's the biggest misconception people have about worship leaders? You know, I think people think that I'm nicer than I am. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, they see me up there and I'm singing and I'm smiling and, you know, there's probably an assumption that I'm like super sweet, but I, I feel like I have let people down when they get to know me a little bit or they have to at least adjust because I'm kind of a go-getter. I'm really blunt. I, I speak my mind a lot and I'm kind of more aggressive in the way that I approach life. And that's my God-given personality, but it's kind of a mismatch of what you would think at first. So with me personally, I know that's been people's experience. And I've said, I'm going to hurt your feelings. I'm blunt. I, you know, like I, I try to warn people, like it's it's not all like sweet singing about Jesus 24-7. Like I, I think in a more general like observation just of the church, I would say people do think worship leaders are more spiritual than them or more further along in their walk than them. Like it's a gift that gets recognized. And so sometimes there's an assumption that because someone's a worship leader, they're closer to God somehow. And I think that's really, that bums me out when I see people thinking that way, or maybe they think that way about their pastor, because those are just different gifts. Those don't mean that we're closer to God or know him in a special way. It just means that we're using a gift that happens to put us on stage but um, God doesn't see it in a hierarchy like that. He sees everybody as totally equal and totally close to him and, and their gifts are so valued. So I hope the church culture can kind of smooth that out a little bit and give more credit to people with other gifts besides just people who sing or preach. Yeah, I definitely get that. On this sort of similar note, but in a different direction, as a creative who has experienced chronic illness, what's the biggest misconception people have about people who do actually live with chronic illness for a time, whether it's lifelong or for a period? Mm. I mean, I've been told a lot of things that I don't necessarily agree with regarding my chronic illness, um, such as kind of a you are as you think um, 
I mean, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that, but my particular experience has been so multifaceted. I mean, many things influenced my journey of getting sick. I was, um, you know, if I really did get that infection that they think I had, how was that me thinking my way into illness? You know, that obviously wasn't. (laughs) So I think people oversimplify the principles of like sowing and reaping in a way that makes it kind of too much like karma. And I don't, I don't see that in the Bible. I see exceptions. I see people who don't deserve stuff still having to go through a lot from Job to Paul, you know? So I don't think we can just make a rule like, oh, you did something to deserve this. I mean, Jesus didn't like that when they asked him, who, why is this guy blind? Did he sin? Did his parents sin? Jesus was like, hey, 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 no, no, no. Like, this is about my glory and this is about my power and how I can heal in any situation. And he changed the emphasis. So I kind of hope people can have a little bit more gray of point of view of it than like totally black and white. And then I have had a lot of people, you know, imply that I'm making it up because I have to be on such a strict diet um, that, I mean, even, yeah, even still, I can't eat anything at most restaurants because of the way it's prepared or the ingredients it has on it. And I, I eat enough food every day, but I, I have to make sure it's certain things or my body still kind of freaks out. So I think people just kind of raise an eyebrow at that sometimes like, um, that's really extreme. Are you sure just a bite would make you have the flu, you know? So. I know there's a place I belong Where I'll see the fullness of love A child face to face I do at the end of every podcast is ask my guest a few quick questions that are sort of random. Number one, do you have like a favorite album that comes to mind? I have some artists that I always go back to and a lot of them are outside of the genre of what I sound like, but one of my favorite singers is India Ari. I don't know if you've heard of her. She's soulful acoustic pop. Yeah, I love her. I think she has one of my favorite voices. And then to throw it way back, I mean, I, probably my favorite all-time artist might be Stevie Wonder. Solid choice. Yes. So good. <laughs> um, what was the first worship song that you heard that sort of motivated you to sort of go, I could be part of some sort of worship movement and create something beautiful? Mm, yeah. Man, that's a good question too. There's a lot of great songs that have really helped me throughout the years. And I love how God drops them into your life at the perfect time so often. But the one that comes to mind is How He Loves. Oh, yes. I I think I cried when I heard that song. I felt it so deeply. And I didn't know the story behind it yet, but it was written from a place of pain and and just, you know, the writer needing to remind himself that God loves us that much and that the things that happen in life that are tragic don't change that. So even before knowing the story, I just felt that in my spirit so deeply. Those words are so poetic and good. Yeah, solid choice. It's such an amazing song, isn't it? The last question that I ask everybody, and it could be easier, it might be hard, totally your call. If you could go back to the day, uh, I would say, where you started experiencing autoimmune difficulties in your body and you had to move back in with your parents, you had no idea what was going on with God or music or your life. What would you say to yourself knowing what you do now? I think one of the things I would tell my younger self is that spiritual warfare is real. And if you're going to get better, you're going to need to address it at the root. Because in my case, 
a lot of it was just that the enemy saw that I was getting close to my calling and tried to turn the dial up on illness to stop me. And at night I would have prophetic dreams where I was wrestling against something that was not flesh and blood. I, I knew that something really dark was opposing me. So I think I'd go back and train myself in like deliverance and warfare. <laughs> Too many flames end up in ashes. Too many hearts go cold. But we built our love on more than passion. We used the depths of our was so chill just like you'd expect from someone who lived in Southern California but I just love how she related to me so quickly she'd already checked out the podcast which was so lovely of her not everyone does that or has the time to do that so I really enjoyed just connecting with her and I was also amazed by her ability to validate my story by sharing hers that's a really unique gift and something I really appreciated because she doesn't have to do that so that was really really cool if you guys would like to connect with Binley please do. They are at Binley Worship, B-I-N-L-E-Y. And you can also pick up their latest single, Never Gonna Let You Go, which features Brandon Gill. And you can pick that up now on iTunes and even hear a preview of it on Spotify and on Instagram right now. So as we wind up the season, this is the part where you sort of do the, hey, thanks, goodbyes. I want to make it clear to you guys that this is not the end of Between You and Me. Essentially every week when we catch up, it's sort of like we're having coffee with some of our closest and most wonderful musician friends, right? So in fairness, I feel like I would love to tell you guys that season three, as I said, is coming. I'm thinking of changing it up to every two weeks. That is purely because at the moment I am running Between You and Me by myself, which I love, but my health hasn't been great lately. That's not to be like a pity party by any means. It's just to be honest because our musician friends share so much of themselves with you and with me every week. Here's me sharing a little bit. I've really been pushing it to make it through this season and I love it and I believe in it, but I would love to be able to make something a little bit more sustainable. So perhaps we could go every two weeks for the rest of the year rather than doing a massive 10 week stint where we push through and get burnt out and then have another break before we go back again. We will start dropping episodes as soon as I have a lineup for the next few episodes coming up. I am going to take a little bit of time to recharge in the meantime because it's life and that's okay. Uh, but I'm really grateful for your support and for how many of you have jumped on board this season and from the people who've been there from the very start it's been so cool now before we go at the end of season two i would like to create a new segment which we may or may never repeat again but it is called the wrap up yeah, not at all interesting, but you know, let's just go with it. The wrap up is where I look at some of our previous guests and celebrate their victories and wins okay, so I want to be clear with this there is such a name dropping thing that goes on in Nashville and like, oh my gosh, you know, this person and all of a sudden like your worth quote unquote is like grows up and your stock goes up because you know people. I don't want to buy into that at all. When we celebrate a friend of the podcast and artist on Instagram, please don't think it's to up our coolness factor. We already know that we're basically where we're at with coolness in any case. Our friends do cool things and as soon as I talk to someone, I like to appreciate them and champion them. So this is our way of saying we believe in you, we believe in your story and no matter how successful you are, whatever that looks like and however you measure success, we believe in you. So I would love to celebrate just a few of our past guests and what they've achieved. Number one, I think the biggest commercially, we can't go past Hillsong United. We talked to Matt Crocker earlier this season and he was an absolute legend. It was so personable and 
he was so human, which you don't always expect. That's not to say other guests haven't been human, but it's just that I've grown up with Hillsong. I live in Australia and Hillsong are such big names. But every time I meet these guys, they are literally just like your friend who lives next door and goes to church with you. That's such a cliche, but it's actually honest. Their album, People, has gone to number one on the Billboard charts and number two on the Billboard 200. It is so freaking deserved. That album is so good. Joel Houston has opened up and talked about how much it means to him. So did Crocker when he spoke to us. And honestly, if you haven't heard that album yet, even if you don't like worship, or if you just want to sort of like throw back to the golden days of youth group where you actually love that stuff, go listen to it. It's born out of such trial and pain and it's so beautiful. Aside from that, I can tell you that our friend Johnny Crowder, who we had on last week, is currently on tour. He is touring like mad at the moment. Prison is on two back-to-back tours along the east coast of America, I believe. So if you love new metal, if you love metal, if you just want to show and want to see Johnny kicking up his legs and jumping around and I don't know how they do that scream thing from their chest without literally like destroying the vocal cords but they do you should go and see him literally just check them out on instagram apart from that our friend sarah reeves is currently on tour and then there's our friend ryan o'neill who's part of sleeping at last what hasn't he been doing lately his song nine on the enneagram is coming out very soon which we're all very excited about he spoke about that on episode one of this season But he's also had a song placement in the movie trailer for Tolkien about J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And I literally just saw on my Instagram, he has another song placement on Grey's Anatomy because he's sleeping at last and he's that good. So way to go, Ryan. That's really, really cool. Our friend Crystal Lewis, who we had on episode two and who announced that she was doing a new album with us, she's recording. So if you guys supported that, or if you didn't, go check it out. Seriously, follow her on Instagram at Lewis. She's an absolute legend and I can't wait to see what she writes. Uh, Apart from that, if we want to talk Camp Electric, (coughs) our friend Crowder, old mate Crowder, as we would like to say, I don't know if you can say that, but you know, I'm Australian, so we're just going to go with it. He spoke with us in season one. He is going to be at Camp Electric, which is a Christian camp for all you upcoming Christian youthies who love music. Uh, Our friend Dee Swan is also going to be there. So check it out if that's your thing. Or, you know, just just go listen to his album again. It's just fun Southern rock with gospel twinge. I was surprised by how much I liked it because I was like, this is so CCM, but nah, Crowd is a really great guy. And while you're at it, throw it back to some of his old tunes, especially his song Turkish Delight, which was on the Narnia soundtrack. Unfortunately, due to licensing, I never got the chance to play that for you. But oh my gosh, literally YouTube right now, Turkish Delight, David Crowder Band. You are welcome. We also have season one guest, Audrey Assad. A reminder, she has a Patreon to fund a new album. So go check out her Instagram at Audrey Assad to support that. But she also has a side musical project called Lev, which she's releasing new music for a lot and also releasing a lot of poetry on her Instagram. So please check it out. It's absolutely gorgeous. If you really connected with the episodes that we had this season about mental health and mental illness, our friends at Try Love on Her Arms are always releasing new t-shirts and are always releasing blogs and they always have a find help page on their website which lists international helplines for your country and for lots of states and places all around the world. I can testify to their great work. I've been part of it. And you can find blogs from our friend Chad Moses, who spoke with us last season on there. So go check them out at twaloha.com. That is T-W-L-O-H-A. Also, a friend of the brilliance. They are releasing new music all the time. They're releasing new EPs to go with uh, their, I don't even want to call it social activism music. It's just honest music, but they do such great stuff. So definitely check it out. Look, it has been such a big season and big, not just because of the artists we've had and what they've shared, but big for me because this is the first time for me that I've actually really gotten somewhat over the imposter syndrome that so many of us had. And the last few episodes, I really feel like I've hit a point of being really proud of what we've produced together. That's in no small part to you because you guys listen and you give me feedback and because so many artists are are joining this conversation. 
My favourite episode this season by far was David Zuck from Remedy Drive, who we had a couple of episodes ago. And that was so moving for me and really signified a turning point for me and how I think about how I do journalism and what I do. While you are waiting for season three to drop, whatever that looks like, please go back and listen to season one, season two episodes. We have some brilliant artists. We cover everything from social activism and politics to mental illness. We cover so many genres. We cover racial diversity. And there are so many places that artists have been willing to go that I am not qualified to talk about in any means, but they are. And it was such a privilege to ask some questions and have them share those conversations. Today's conversation about chronic illness with Binley was really just the tip of the iceberg with that. So go back, guys, re-listen to your favorite episodes or listen to them. If you haven't heard them yet, send them to a friend. I really hope that it begins to break down any pain or cynicism in you that you may have from the Christian music industry or the church or religion in general. This has been a really healing experience for me. I feel like I'm in such a better spot at the end of season two than I was in the start of season one because I started this literally to try and figure out where is God in this weird industry where there are so many double standards. Well, I found him and he is in the heart and the stories of so many incredible people who share their stories with us and with so many of you. And it's because so many people aren't afraid to wrestle with the hard things. I use that phrase all the time, but it's true. When we wrestle, we find God. That's how Jacob did it. It's how he got his name Israel and that's how we do it. We wrestle with him and God says, sure, I'll stick it out with you as long as you need. I love that. If you would like to connect with Between You and Me, please do and please do this so that you know when season three is dropping. Go find us on Instagram. That is where we are most active. We are at Between You Me Pod. You can also find us on the web at betweenyouandmepod.com. That's and as an A and D. We have all our back catalogs there, some bios on our past guests you can find out a bit more about me as well and some embedded audio so if you don't want to download anything you can literally just go there and press play and that would be awesome if you enjoy what you hear please rate us on your favorite podcast platform it means the world thank you to the kind people who've already done that and left feedback we love it oh it just makes me so happy i'm constantly just in all that 20 episodes in and we've built something beautiful And it's honest and it's honestly all that I could hope for in community. And as a type six on the Enneagram, it is something I still appreciate because it feels safe and that is so rare. So thank you so much for being part of that. Because it is the end of the season, it's time to say thank you to so many people. I want to say thank you to all the artists who have opened up the season and to the many people in PR and media who have made a way for that to happen. A special thank you to the team at Soundstripe. They are not an official sponsor, but I can tell you that all our music comes from Soundstripe and I highly recommend using them. They are so helpful. If in season break you would like to connect with me personally, go for it. I'm always up for new friends. I say that every time. And normally I don't give my personal bio away, but I was like, hey, it's the end of the season. What have I got to lose? So you can find me on Instagram at jessicamorris47. I'm not super active on Twitter. I find it's really bad for my mental health, just to be honest. I mean, we're friends. We're having coffee, right? So I would love to connect with you on Instagram. And you can also grab my book, When Hope Speaks. It's a memoir about my journey through travel and depression and spirituality. That is out now on Amazon. And you can get a physical copy now through my website at jessicamorris.net or through coorong.com. That's all I have for you. What an incredible season. Thank you for sticking this out with me. I love it. I just love being with you guys. I love doing this and having these quote unquote coffee dates every week. It's the best and so worth it. So thank you for doing this. And I will see you very, very soon with some new conversations about the things that hurt and heal and change us in and out of the Christian music industry. I will see you then. You are the one, you are the one I need. You are the one who loves me completely.
for listening to the Between You and Me podcast. Stay connected by visiting www.betweenyouandmepod.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. For more Christian news, reviews, and interviews, get plugged in to JesusWire.com.